for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Good morning, everybody. uh, I'm glad Bob mentioned my attire, because um, some of you with good memories will um, remember last week that Catherine mentioned that last week was likely to be the only time that you would see somebody preaching in pink. (laughs) So I just wanted to refute that and say, actually, it might not have been the only week that you would see somebody preaching in pink. So I wore it specially, specially for you. So everybody, yeah, everybody from now on should just preach in pink. It should be like a, it should be like a gateway requirement or something. <laughs> the fr- frilly pink shirts. Um, so, so um, we're going through Nehemiah and Ezra, right? Um, I was really pleased to be on this um, preaching series because I love Nehemiah. He's one of my favourite characters in the book, the, uh, in the Bible. The book of Nehemiah is one of my favourite books. Nehemiah is one of those people, he's going to be one of the first people that I go and speak to in heaven, for sure. I I think if you look at him, this is a guy who uh, has a really important job, right, in which he's really well respected. You read Nehemiah and he knows scripture, yeah, and he knows it enough that he prays it back to God. Um, He was honest, an honest guy, he knew that he was flawed, he knew that he was sinful, but he trusted in God's forgiveness. He has real compassion for people. You know, he turns to God really quickly, regardless of what his circumstances are. You also get the idea that he's kind of quite a handy guy. I can respect that. I'm completely not, so I like that. He, can, he kind of balances building with fighting, so he's probably quite a man's man. You know, he is obviously godly and he's really ruthless in dealing with sin. I mean, the guy, if you read it, the guy kind of punches some people in chapter 13. He's kind of mental, but in a good way. He, he's really, like, really serious about kind of dealing with sin and I think, great, he's totally a guy that I want to meet. So um, I was really pleased anyway to be... To be um, preaching this morning. So I'm talking about the power of the word this morning. It's going to be from, generally from Ezra 7 and Nehemiah 8. I'm not going to read a specific passage, but I'll be going in and out of a lot of those two books, a lot really. Um, I haven't got a presentation. I haven't got a PowerPoint. Controversial. I do so many PowerPoints at work, they they do kind of make me lose the will to live a bit, to be honest. (laughs) I once spent, I didn't said, I once spent about two weeks doing a PowerPoint at work. I mean, not literally all my time. It, you know, I work for the council. Your taxpayers' money's been better spent than that. <laughs> but, but I'm going to dig myself a hole here. But anyway, I don't, I'm not a PowerPoint fan anyway. So it's just me. It's just my voice. You'll have to listen, listen carefully. But I have got uh, a video later. So there will be, I know, some exciting screen-based activity for you all later. So um, there's a lot of stuff that you could talk about in terms of something as broad as the power of the word, the power of scripture. Um, What I'm going to kind of really be focusing on is um, the impact that studying scripture, the impact of kind of understanding it and then applying it can have on our lives. So that's where I'm going. 
If you read through kind of Ezra and Nehemiah in any depth, it's really important to see, it's really easy to see sort of how important the words, the written words of the king were at the time, if you notice that. There's several passages that are actually transcripts of letters to or from kings at the time. And you get the clear impression that those letters, once they'd been written and sealed by the king, they had real kind of absolute authority, didn't they? You can see that reading it. You know, anybody who carried these letters with them, um, it kind of would give, give them safety. It would have given them authority to act on behalf of the king. It would have kind of guaranteed them support. It would have given them resources and made resources available to them. It would have given them instructions on how to act. And if you look at Ezra and Nehemiah and some other sort of related books, you look at Esther, you can see how important and how instrumental the written word of the king was in determining the fate of the Israelites. You know, the words of the king had absolute importance. You know, for example, if you look at Nehemiah 2.18, Nehemiah uses the words of the king to, you know, convince the priests about rebuilding the wall because he knew that those words carried with them power and authority. So you might kind of see where I'm going here, but um, obviously in the same way, the Bible is the written word of our king, isn't it? You know, it is of infinite use for us today, and I couldn't really do this preach without quoting 2 Timothy 3, 16, where it says, you know, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training. In righteousness. You know, to me, reading these books, it's impressive seeing how much authority and power these letters from the king carried. And while that's not something I'm going to specifically kind of dwell on today, I think it's really important to remember from the start and remind ourselves that what we're talking about here is the inspired, God breathed words from the creator of the universe. You know, these words in here will be the most important things that we can ever read on this earth. Right? Simple. So Ezra and Nehemiah, you know, you read it, it's clear that these guys understood this as well. They understood the importance of cherishing God's word, and, and the same needs to go for us today. A book I was reading on um, Ezra and Nehemiah, one of the chapter, chapters in it is titled God's Word Forms His People. And that kind of struck me as quite an important point, you know, because what we read, what we watch, what we kind of consume, what music we listen to, the films we watch, those things kind of shape who we are, don't they? You know, what we take in through our senses affects us. And it's obviously true here as well, then, that God's word forms us. God word, God's word shapes us when we read it. What goes in here determines who we become, isn't it? Nehemiah 4, 6 says how the people had a mind to work. And in Nehemiah 8, we see both Nehemiah and Ezra gathering the people together to be taught from God's word so that they could understand it. And the principle here is that filling your mind in a godly way is incredibly helpful and reading scripture will fill your mind with godly, positive thoughts. One of my sons is doing a 
daily Bible reading. And one day recently, it was talking about garbage trucks. It's uh, an American book, obviously. And um, it was saying about how this family were driving behind a garbage truck. And it had this bumper sticker on saying, it don't, don't get too close, I stink. Or words to that effect was on this, on this uh, lorry. And it was basically saying, you know, rubbish goes in the back of the lorry, so the lorry stinks. And this story was essentially, the reading of the day was trying to introduce the young, a young person to sort of that old adage of, you know, garbage in, garbage out. You know, actually what we feed our minds with affects how we kind of smell or how we act, how we appear to other people. And that kind of sense of reading scripture affects how we then kind of smell and make sure we don't stink to other people. And this kind of links to what Pete Pemberthy talked about a few weeks ago as well. You know, he was saying that um, about reading and studying scripture and filling your mind with godly thoughts. And he was saying about that landing strip in our minds where the devil wants to get in. And really, reading scripture gives us the ammunition to shoot the devil's planes out of the sky, doesn't it, before they land. So it's really, really helpful. Now, obviously, if it was all that easy, we'd kind of all be perfect Christians without any kind of hang-ups at all, wouldn't we? It's not easy. And, and a couple of things I just felt to draw out reading and rereading these kind of chapters was really about persevering, persevering with getting stuck into Scripture and about how important it is just to understand and respond to, to what we're reading. So that's kind of where I'm going this morning. So first of all, I just want to talk about perseverance. Nobody likes to persevere, do they? You know, not only is perseverance impossible to spell, I literally spelt it wrong every single time I typed it or wrote it preparing this. It's, not, it's difficult to spell, but by its very definition, perseverance is this. It's persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. So it's persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. By its nature, perseverance is about difficulty. No one finds persevering easy. I was just wondering, doing this, did, did anybody make New Year's resolutions this year? Anybody? Did we make any that they're still keeping now? Because I, New Year's resolutions, I'm not good with. I, um, my confession this morning is that several times, more than several times in the past, I've made New Year's resolution to read through the Bible in a year. It's like, right, I'm going to do it, got the plan, going to gonna do the whole Bible in a year. And then I find that I get to kind of Kings or Samuel and I look and I think, in order to catch up and actually manage this in a year, I've got to read like 30 chapters a day. <laughs> So I, was like, I like kind of lose heart and then, and then kind of give up. I'm not, I'm not very good at persevering. So perhaps everyone else here is much better than me and I've just shamed myself. But persevering isn't easy, is it? You know, we kind of live in a culture that we want things quickly now, don't we? You know, technology is really fantastic you know, but it has sport us in a lot of ways, isn't it? We live in a super fast world. We live in a culture of like instant gratification. We basically, we can achieve anything really very quickly these days, except the things that take time 
and hard work, things like you know, job satisfaction or depth of relationship with other people. And I saw a, a media clip this week. It was from MTV Australia, of all things. And um, this guy was talking about this whole, kind of, this whole kind of subject. And he was saying, and this really surprised me, he's saying, essentially, he felt the one thing, the one thing that this current generation needed more than anything else was patience. Now, he said that patience was resulted in quality relationships. Patience resulted in job satisfaction. And he said patience results in joy. And I, just, I was watching this thinking, wow, I don't, I don't know if that guy was a Christian, but I thought I could easily have shown that this morning. You know, patience or perseverance is a really necessary part of life, isn't it? You know, I've been through some times recently well, I've really had to persevere, you know, been through some really, really difficult times um, at work, particularly, but I've come through it, and now looking back, what that's built in is something that means I can do life better because of it, and it wasn't easy at the time. Um, in the same way, you know, quality relationship, a quality relationship with God will take some degree of perseverance. You know, if you look at Jesus... Jesus was a man who persevered, right? If you look at the temptation, Jesus was tempted for 40 days or so in the desert. You know, it's easy to kind of look at that and think, well, that was probably easy for Jesus. He was God, wasn't he? But, you know, then you kind of forget, well, Jesus was fully man as well. You know, he would have been hungry and thirsty. That wouldn't have been in any way easy for him to do that. But Jesus knew that that perseverance was for a cause. It was for preparation for his ministry. And that's one thing I think is really important. I think that's one thing that Jesus is demonstrating there, that perseverance is preparation. Perseverance is preparation. Every day we persevere, we are becoming more prepared for what God has got planned for us and our lives. Uh, Ezra persevered in studying scripture and he was ready when the time came. You know, he studied and when the time came when he was asked to bring the book, like it says in Nehemiah 8, he was ready. He was ready to preach, he was ready to teach the returning exiles and he was ready ultimately to lead them in repentance, in praise, you know, in a lost rest restoration of lost relationship with God. You know, what would have happened had Ezra not persevered in being prepared, ready for when God called him. You know, and persevering will mean that when the time comes, we are prepared as well. You know, perhaps it will be that we're prepared to share that scripture with somebody that God wants to use to impact their life. Maybe it will be that we're prepared to make that really difficult, life-changing decision that needs to be made. Maybe it will be we're prepared to share the gospel with somebody who really needs to hear God and what God's done for them. Whatever it is, perseverance equals preparation. You know, I, I'm sure there might be people here, people who'd be happy to admit that actually sometimes it is hard to regularly read the Bible. Am I not alone in that? Sometimes, yeah? I'm okay admitting that. Um, it might be that you've just got kind of stuck in a bit of a rut with reading the Bible. 
I've just got a couple of things that might just help, might change it up a bit, just they're not anything new, but I'm just going to give a couple of kind of ideas of things that we can do. First of all, um, it's probably good to get into the habit of praying before you start reading the Bible. It kind of seems quite simple, but um, it's always good to pray, ask God for clarity, for understanding about what you're going to read. Maybe you could use um, a daily Bible reading. You know, I, I've got a few different ones that I use from time to time to keep things kind of fresh. I've got one from Spurgeon, which gives a particular perspective, one from Bill Johnson, one from another guy called Simon Gillibau. And they're all quite different, but actually, although it's important just to read scripture, sometimes using a Bible study or a daily Bible reading like that can just give a different focus, can't it, for a season? So that's something that we can do. Maybe you just want to read, sort of systematically read through a book of the Bible. You know, just take a book and just really read it and reread it and just immerse yourself in it, study it. You know, sometimes it's really good just to be focused on one book of the Bible for a fair amount of time, really just get to know it and you'll see things that you maybe haven't seen before. On the other hand, maybe you just want to spend some time reading the Bible like a book, right? Because it's a book, yeah. Just read through it. And I always think it's interesting how God kind of gives you, people often say, oh, God gives them, you know, examples when they're preaching. And I haven't always had that, but God definitely gave me an example of that this week. I was at um, Ashford train station on Monday morning waiting for my train to work when the dreaded kind of announcement came over the tannoy that there's a broken down freight train on the line to Maidstone so you know kind of all chaos ensued I wasn't sure whether it was Tim's uh, Tim's fault that I could blame I presumed it wasn't um so we had to get rerouted anyway we had to go via Paddock Woods and you know I got to Paddock Woods and it was freezing cold this is a very tragic story it's freezing cold the the connecting train I just missed so I had 50 minutes standing in the station it was bleak it was really bleak um but I thought, do you know what, I'm actually going to practice what I preach. I had a godly moment and thought, do you know what, I'm actually just going to read a book of the Bible standing on the platform at Paddock Wood. So I tried to read a bit on the, on the train. That's kind of my time when I can read the Bible. I thought, do you know what I'll do? I'm just going to read through a book. So I thought, I'll read Zechariah. You know, it's kind of linked a bit to Nehemiah and Ezra. I haven't read it for a long time. It'd be good just to read through it. So I was reading through, got through the first kind of nine chapters you know, Zechariah, typical prophetic book. There's kind of like flying scrolls that devour houses and <laughs> wicked women emerging out of buckets. And you're kind of reading it going, okay, God, this is, you know, this is kind of interesting. I'm just going to keep reading. But then, but then I got to chapter 10 and you know, God just spoke to me in a single verse. I just, and it was just like, I stopped. By that time, the train had got here. I got in the warm and I just prayed about this verse. And I thought, do you know what, actually reading scripture it just gives God an opportunity to speak to you doesn't it it really does it doesn't have to be I hadn't kind of stood that I didn't even take my own advice I didn't even pray before I started reading it you know to give you know my own advice I just thought I didn't have any kind of assumptions I just thought I'll just read and it just meant that God was able to speak to me and that's that's a verse now I'm really holding on to I think for a season I think it's just you know just doing it allows God to speak to us doesn't it it doesn't have to be a big decision. It doesn't have to be a hard choice. You know, just if you haven't read the Bible for a while, just pick up the Bible and read it. Just read it. And the other thing, you know, I think is, is probably worth saying that we'll all know, but it's just often important just to reevaluate when and where we read the Bible. You know, our lives change, circumstances change, don't they? It might have been that you used to be a morning person, but actually now 
You know, maybe you're not such a morning person and it might be better to read or spend some time with God somewhere else or some other time. And I'm going to sort of, the video clip I'm going to show focuses on this a lot more, so I'm not going to talk much more about it. But it's always good just to rethink and always be thinking about when and where is my, the best time for me to spend some time with God. And, you know, I was, I was just thinking when Terry Virgo came a few weeks ago and I was just struck, um, not being in awe of a man, but you listened to him and he was just able to give a background leading up to Ezra that seemed effortless to me. And I'm sure he puts time into preparing his preachers. The guy's obviously got a very God-given gift to preach and teach, but I know I've heard other people say they know that what Terry does, he, he is disciplined in spending time with God and spending time in God's word ruthlessly he does that and and what you see is the fruit of that you know that's not just a something that comes naturally he has spent time doing that and I just thought that's really inspirational you know if in 30 years I can be like that (laughs) I would be very very happy um the other thing that really struck me about when Terry preached and a lot of his preaching is that he incorporates grace and the gospel into everything that he says and I just wanted to reiterate something that Catherine spoke about last week and that's the difference between effort and earning you know and it's it's okay to make an effort in reading scripture effort is good it's good when we work from a place of being accepted by God yeah so we make an effort because we're accepted by God we don't read scripture because we want to be accepted by God right and that's really important and I wanted to make sure of that you know with saying that this morning that um, it's right to make an effort in studying scripture because we are already loved by God you know it won't earn us God's love by reading chapters and chapters of the Bible every day you know the crazy kind of scandalous thing about grace is that we could never pick up the Bible again for the rest of our life and that would not change how God feels about us one little bit. Isn't that, I just, that struck me as just being amazing. You know, it doesn't mean that it would be the best thing for us, spiritually or emotionally or mentally, by any means. You know, but it wouldn't change how much God loves us. And, and we were praying before the meeting and I just felt that, you know, one or two people probably needed to hear that. You know, you don't need to be making an effort. You do need to be making an effort, but it's not going to earn you God's love. God loves you unconditionally, and there is nothing that you can do to earn that love. So if you're trying really, really hard, but you don't feel accepted by God, know this morning that you are accepted and loved by God. You know, I've messed up plenty of times in this area, in other things. But actually, I'm just really grateful that God first loved us. God loved us first before we did anything else. And we don't have to earn his acceptance and his love. So really, persevering, what I'm trying to say is, persevering in reading scripture is really just about wanting to deepen a relationship with a friend, with a father, And it's not just about a process of ticking off chapters of a book, is it? So secondly then, the other thing I just wanted to talk about 
a little bit more briefly, is just about the importance of being attentive and responsive to God and his word. So this is really about, you know, what we're reading and putting that into practice and doing something with it. So um, let's just apply and let's listen to what God is saying through the Bible when we read it. Ezra 7.10 says that Ezra had set his heart to study scripture. And I think first and foremost, you know, if we're going to be attentive and listening to what God wants to say as we're studying his word, you know, it's actually making sure we've got the right heart to begin with. You know, we set our hearts right when we read the word, when we listen to the word preached, when we hear prophetic words, you know, have the right heart. And Ezra 7.10 not only says that he set his heart to study scripture, but Ezra set his heart to do it, to study it and to do it. And it sounds really simple, doesn't it? But how much might God really use us if we're just obedient when we hear God talking to us and we actually just do what, what he is saying? You know, in Nehemiah 8 and 9, the people listened to what Ezra was teaching and they responded to what they heard. You know, to start with, they responded with sorrow, but then on kind of more teaching, it's like they understood afresh the significance of what they were being taught. You know, um, Ezra sort of, it seems like he's teaching about the festival of the booths uh, in this part, in, in um, Nehemiah 8 and 9. And this kind of festival is about remembering how God has kept his people safe during the time of the wilderness. And it signified God's continuing provision for his people. And that was remarkably similar to what the Israelites were going through at that time, returning from exile. Understanding scripture properly allowed them to appreciate in a new way again what God was doing and their natural response then was to celebrate God's goodness to be obedient in celebrating that feast again to honor God and for the people to have heard what Ezra was teaching but not responded to it would have been madness it would have been there was nothing you know nothing would have changed but they heard and they responded they acted on what they had heard you know, and there's a lot of value in making sure that we just understand what we're reading. You know, it's okay reading quantities of scripture, but it's that whole thing of, you know, quality and quantity. You know, the Bible can be a very confusing, complicated book, can't it? And I would just encourage everybody, if you're confused by it, then go ask somebody, get a book, get something that will help you understand it, because it's not always obvious or easy to understand but it's so important to understand what we are reading you know Nehemiah 8 8 shows this importance and how important it is to read and understand um, what we're reading it says they read from the book from the law of God and clearly um, clearly and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading you know there's huge power in reading and applying scripture if you want to see God's kingdom come, if you want to see a change in a situation, or if you want to see lives changed, study the Bible, amongst other things. But, you know, you look where Ezra was. He was, to begin with, he was stuck in Babylon. It was like one of the most ungodly of places. It was the centre of the kind of kingdom that had been responsible for this breakup of, of the Israelite, of the nation. You know, he needed to find a way to save the people 
He needed to find a way to enable them to leave Babylon, needed to find a way to help all the exiles return to Jerusalem, to restore the city, to restore the temple, to restore godly practices, and to re-establish God's rule and reign. (laughs) Poor bloke. And what did he do? He set his mind and his heart to study scripture and to do scripture. First and foremost, you know, we can have all sorts of plans and schemes of our own. You know, we can hear and read about kind of ideas for personal growth, for church growth, for kingdom advance. And that's great. And a lot of them them will be great. But first and foremost, we need to be regular readers, studiers and appliers of God's word. Because nothing can be more effective or life-changing than the living and active word of God, right? So, let's persevere and let's make every effort in understanding and applying what we read. So, I'm on my way to concluding now, but I just wanted to conclude by saying, you know, there's one really fundamentally important point which I just want to make sure is communicated this morning. We see in Nehemiah 8, 6, that the people worshipped God. They didn't worship scripture. You know, for all the absolute importance of studying the Bible that I've talked about, we have to prioritise our relationship with God. Now, clearly the Bible helps us hear from God. It helps us know God more, helps us understand about God. But no, you know, we have to put our relationship with God first and no amount of just pure reading should replace that. Time spent with God is life transforming. So to demonstrate that much better than I could, I've got a clip from my good friend Bill Hybels, who's a pastor over in America. And he just, this is just an example of really how powerful time spent with God can be. So a lot of you might have seen it, but every time I see this, I... I think it's really powerful. So can we go for the... I'm, uh, I'm not going to add too much to that. I, that chokes me up every time I watch that. But um, I just wanted to finish really by saying, you know, if we want to be people who can affect change in our own lives, if we want to be people who want to affect change in the lives of our families, of our communities our workplaces, if we want to see Ashford changed. We just we need to know God, and we know God by spending time with him, don't we? And spending time in his word. I reckon that Ezra and Nehemiah had a chair. You know, they persevered in studying scripture for many years, and they were attentive, and they listened to what God was saying, and they were obedient to him and applied what they had read. And I suppose really just... I'm finishing with just the sort of same challenge, really, that Bill Hybel said. It's like, you know, where's your chair and what are we going to do? You know, what are we going to do? So, um, shall I just pray? Yeah, should we all? Let's, yeah, let's go. Lord Jesus, we, we love you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you so much. And Lord, we know that it's hard sometimes. It's hard, let's be honest. 
It's hard just spending those regular times with you. But God, we know how important it is. Lord God, we know how life-transforming time spent with you can be, Lord God. So I pray, God, would you just touch each one of us now. Lord, challenge us where we need to be challenged. Stir us, Lord God, where we need to be stirred. God, just give us a heart for you. Give us a desire just to deepen our relationship with you, Lord God. Help us just to love you more, Lord God. Give us that just strength of will sometimes that is needed, that discipline, Lord God, just to spend time with you knowing that perseverance is preparation, God. You have prepared a good works for every single one of us in this room, Lord God. I believe that. And God, help us to keep that in mind. Help us to see the long game, Lord God. Help us to put long-term gain over short-term pleasure, Lord God, I pray that we might be the people that you want us to be, that Gateway Church might be the church that you want us to be, Lord God, that we might affect this town, the communities in which we live, Lord God, that people might come to know you, Lord God. We ask for nothing less than lives transformed, Lord God, yeah. our lives and those people that, whose lives we touch on a daily basis, Lord God. <coughs> Stir our hearts. Give us passion for your word, Lord God, passion for your name, I pray. Lord, in your name, Jesus. Amen.